Welcome to the Working Writer Podcast. A little bit since the last episode. I had a really good pattern going of every other week, and then I took another contract, and yeah, no, it is just a little bit too much to maintain that same schedule. Um, so I have these episodes that I pre-recorded before I took the job. And I'm really glad that I did that because probably the whole project would flop if I hadn't. Um, it's a really good lesson to me to remember in the future. If I have an idea like that and it has a large scope, seize the day because you just don't know how long that day is going to last. Um, so here I am in, let's see, I recorded this episode. Today's episode was recorded in December and today it is in May. And... It was technically scheduled to release four weeks ago. Time flies when you're working hard. Oh, but you know, all things happen in their time. This conversation that I had with Dr. Tim Gilmore is one of the original visions that I had for the podcast in the first place. Tim's a working writer in every sense of the word. He's a college professor, he's a novelist, and he has a giant living literary project called jackspsychogeo.com. We talk a lot about his website and his books, his creative process in this conversation. I'm very tempted to try to describe Tim's work to you um, as you do, you know, when you describe an author and, and what their body of work is like. Tim's work is hard for me to do that too because while he might focus on a personality or a building for a piece, he gets into the underlayers and the shadows in the kudzu and the dust that was left behind by a ghost and um, that that crazy place down the street that everybody wonders about, but nobody knows the, the real story. Tim's going to go ask. Tim's going to go find out and then he's going to make something beautiful about it. Or the bad guy that's in the church that nobody wants to talk about, he'll write about it. It's hard to put his work into a category and it's just beautiful and poetic and layered and it's always exciting. And I've always been very fascinated at how he produces so much. So it was, even though, you know, I knew some of this being his friend, it was fun to get to tease this out in a conversation for the podcast. We go all over the place and would have gone longer if time had permitted. Of course it did not. Um, so I'm just going to get into it. My conversation with professor, novelist, and literary scamp, Tim Gilmore. Yeah, here I am. Let me try and look <laughs> like I'm not a caveman here. <laughs> yeah, you don't have like long COVID hair. I know, isn't that? It's kind of ironic because, you know, I had long hair so often before COVID. <laughs> right, and now it's actually shorter than I think I've ever seen it. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah, your, your hair looks great. It's COVID hair. It's yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's longer yeah. than it's been in 10 years, but. Um, really? Yeah, it grows really fast and it's going white and I am letting oh. it because uh -huh. cool. I like foxes actually. And so it reminds me of foxes. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go with right. it. I'm That's gonna awesome. Be, just be what yeah. it is. So That's so cool. Your setup there, like the microphone and I believe, is that a devil in the Baptist church behind you? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. How, how, wow. Even, even without that. <laughs> yeah. How cool is that setup you've got? You, you look like you're you look like you're in a bookstore. Well, it's I thank you. Um, most of my books are, and we can't talk quantity of books. You have more books yep. than any person I know. Well, um, you have your own Chamberlains <laughs> happening. <laughs> Many of which um, came from Chamberlains, yeah. Yeah. Well, so most of my books are in storage because my other office I was in the bigger room in our house and um uh -huh. there was a tree a big giant southern oak tree was growing underneath it and through the floor oh. so uh, we had to tear the tree out and we put everything in storage in the driveway this was a full year ago yeah. we just found out last week our contractor hasn't done anything this whole oh. year so oh. I'm a little bit stressed out but um yeah, yeah. so this is only a little bit about my books um yeah. Which is why this is the only book out because I have several of your titles, but they're they're in boxes <laughs> in the driveway. You don't have to say that. <laughs> you know, you, that is one of the reasons I'm just why kidding. I wanted you on because I'm like, I'm, I'm okay, just kidding. Tim is so, like so this, the most prolific. Oh, you're so you're so kind. Um, so this that this tree was was it it was growing under the floor. Yeah, is that so what you said? And Robert, like 
built this house in 1984-ish. Okay. And it's swamp, you know, all of Mandarin is swamp. It's not really yeah. supposed to, no one's supposed to be building here. Yeah. Um, and they filled it I, in. And um, so the, the soil is really, um, it's not packed really tightly. It's, it's uh -huh. really swampy and sandy. So he planted an oak tree there when his son was young, like little. Right. And you know how our oak trees grow. So the thing was massive. It was a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful tree. Sure. Sure. Trunk, trunk, I couldn't wrap around it. You know, it was huge. Really? Um, and I started noticing because I did all my painting and writing back there. So I started uh -huh. noticing the doors were jamming and the windows wouldn't close. Wow. And then the floor cracked and the and it cracked up the wall. I shit you not right behind where I was sitting. Like <laughs> I was like my my uh -huh. my house is literally falling apart where I sit. My writing chair was right over the crack. That's incredible. So, wow. Yeah. It was, and so we found out in hindsight, we, they told us, we had engineers on here, they told us they had to cut it yeah. first, and then they're going to have to, um, we had all kinds of thoughts. They were going to like pour concrete under the house, they're going to pin mm -hmm. it down, they're going to tear the whole back half of the house off, I mean, it went all over the place. Uh -huh. So we cut the tree down, and we hired, we started the contracting process, and then they told us, actually, they're going to put these pins down, they're like... Yeah. They're just giant like pins they go 30 huh. feet below we never okay. had to cut the tree like because they cannot pull the roots out the roots are as uh -huh. big under the house as they were above the house right yeah right so, right right we never had to cut wow. it and it just it sucks I, I feel, oh yeah wow i feel like there's that there, there there's like a, a like several metaphors in there that i haven't quite i don't know exactly what they are there but are the so fact many that, metaphors the fact that, you know this <laughs> the roots are are breaking up the place where you're writing that seems metaphoric yeah. the fact that you didn't have to cut the tree but you thought you did and you did that seems metaphor reminds me of uh the giving tree a little bit do you know that yes Shelsea i know that story scene? well i have that yeah. right here uh -huh. let me grab it yeah it's, yeah that's, it's, that's it is it. Uh, this is my favorite part of the giving tree <laughs> that is the best author photo ever Oh, absolutely. It looks like a, cave, a caveman. Yeah. I was not having it. <laughs> also, his, his book, I mean, that's a pretty twisted as fuck book, actually, because true. it treats, you know, teaches this like codependent consumption that mm. isn't actually healthy. The tree right. had no boundaries. The tree could have said, no, actually. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's that's a good reading of the book. The tree had no boundaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reason why it's so handy is because I have a um, a manuscript for a children's book. It's a it's an adult self care book formatted uh -huh. like a children's book called The Gentleness Diet, and it's written in that style. But it um, it's about boundaries and taking mm -hmm. care of yourself in a comforting picture book kind of way. I don't know if I'm going to do anything with it. It's been sitting there for you know a couple years. It's the really? it's the oh, perpetual wow. project that yeah we have many so we should back it up a little bit okay um i'm gonna do a, um an introduction that explains okay. who you are and how i know you and um i don't know you have too many titles for me to list so you're gonna have to give me some guidance there but the reason why i wanted you on was because you managed to do exactly what this show is about mm. it's a working writer it's called the working writer podcast because i want to explore all the ways people find a way to do the thing and pay their bills mm. with words and it's uh -huh. different for everybody like you know there's as many ways to do it as there are writers right. but you're right. an example of a teaching professor who's also mm. an extremely prolific writer novelist blogger and you also have a lot to say about local promotion and um writers groups and connection and jacks yeah. by jacks and all that yeah. so that's kind of where i'm hoping we'll go okay so wherever you steer it i'm happy to go let's start with your whatever you're working on right now because i know you are due like you just finished a book right you just launched one during uh, COVID. Yeah, the, so true yeah so the newest book to come out is uh it's called murder capital eight stories 1890s to 1980s uh and it came out in um uh august um in the middle of covid as you mentioned um and uh you know, it's interesting because 
promotion has always been uh, the thing that I have uh, struggled with because, you know, I had to learn to put myself out there this way. I, I, uh, by nature, I would have just um, written and, you know, hid behind behind that. And it's, you know, that's me, <laughs> put that out there and then keep myself in the background. And yet, um, you know, so during this pandemic, of course, we have not been able to do things the way uh, we, we normally would. Um, you know, normally I would try to have uh, a sizable reading somewhere. And um, we did have a small um, socially distanced reading um, at uh, Southlight Art Gallery downtown. And the way that um, the uh, uh, owners of the gallery set it up was to um, have just a few people in at a time and stagger it and have four different readings. So wow. um, sounds kind of strange, but it worked, you know, really, I, I think it worked well. Um, but I'm, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to uh, actually seeing people again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that are that's- Are that's you though? Like we're introverts, right? We're like- <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not been nearly as hard for me as for a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, I feel in some ways like um, there's there's always been a pressure to um, to do social things to get my work out there. And, um, and I do want to do some of those things, but I do actually also feel like because of this last year, maybe I don't have to feel as much pressure about that when we come out of this pandemic as, as I did before, you okay. know, uh -huh. and, um, you know, I do a lot of things, you know, virtually, um, uh, my website gets a lot more, you know, readers than, than the books do. Uh, and, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of good to know that I can occupy those spaces and, uh, although I do want to get out into the world with people and I'm, you know, um, miss seeing uh, friends uh, more, you know, at the same time. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I'm going to feel a little bit less pressure, you know, um, somebody, somebody told me that the good thing about the, um, the pandemic, which they didn't word it that way, uh, you know, but the good thing about um, uh, everything being shut down, I guess, is that there's no more FOMO. There's no more fear right. of, being, of, of being left out. You know? Now I'm afraid of like what happens if I'm included. Like, please don't invite me anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right, right. I don't want right. to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it on a normal year, though. That's that's the truth. Um, mm -hmm. it, I think it's important to to acknowledge, I guess, in your career, you're at a place where you're probably experiencing a certain amount of momentum based on years of work like your blog is it's so extensive and it, it isn't like your website just started doing better for you than your books like that there's so much content there um, yeah it's interesting because you know when I when I look at um <clears throat> my statistics for <laughs> for the website uh and I look at the first couple of years that I had it so you know um next year will be the ninth year that I've I've done it yeah. And uh, the, when I first started doing it, I think this is like you, you blogged back in the, the time period where you could just, you know, blog something and get 8 million people. I mean, maybe exaggerating. A little My bit. website used to get 80,000 hits a day. That's it, yeah, it's I don't a lot get, by today's standards even, but it was before yeah. Google's algorithm change, the Panda switch switch. It was when blogging uh, was brand new. Yeah, um, yeah, I was a lifestyle blogger around the time of like the pioneer woman and Glennon Doyle with Monastery and all that was just getting started. Mm -hmm. Those were my blogging buddies. They went on to have big careers. I went a different way. My life blew up, you know, so it was like yeah. different, but also blogging isn't like that anymore. So yeah, yeah, if anybody yeah. who's held it now, also your blog is different than anything that I've done because you're talk about it, explain what it is. Cause I mean, I know what it is, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, well, so it's, uh, it's Jack's Psycho Geo and I have, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's my own fault that I've had to explain for almost a decade why it has such a weird name. 
Um, people often think that it's jackpsycho.com. It is not jackpsycho.com. Psycho there are a lot of psychos in Jacks, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Um, Psychogeo is short for uh, psychogeography, which is, uh, uh, you know, the psychology of geography. It's about the spirit of place, and it's a, it's a movement in uh, art and writing. So some writers who have been called um, psychogeographical writers uh, uh, do that kind of work exploring the spirit of place in novels. So um, Peter Aykroyd uh, is a really good example uh, and one of my favorite writers, um, British writer. Um, other writers who are called psychogeographical sometimes would be like Ian Sinclair, who is also a British writer who you know, writes thousand page books about uh, walking around the periphery of London. And, you know, so um, it's, that's, that, that's a little bit a less plot? accessible, you in know. His books, like, or is it just, what's that? Is there a plot in his stories or are they? Yeah, the plot is, and then I saw this and then <laughs> I saw that. And then, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a much different kind of thing. So there's a lot of room for variation and under the, the, the term psychogeography, but I've always liked the term. Um, actually, uh, UNF professor uh, Alex Menikal uh, first taught me what psychogeography was a long time ago and um, told me about some of its its roots. It had some pretty radical roots. Um, uh, Guy Debord and some French uh, writers and artists were all about disrupting place. So um, to them, psychogeography, well, you know, different people made it different things, but psychogeography might be about um, um, changing all the signs in the neighborhood so that suddenly it was a different place. And of course, not doing that with any kind of official, um, <laughs> you know, sanction or anything. Or, that sounds or, so fun. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it can mean a lot of different things. So um, when I started it, uh, it was actually, uh, I had this idea of writing a novel in the shape of the city. And I've always liked writing about cities. Um, so, um, so, so I did that and it was, you know, it wasn't in the shape of a plot. It was while this is going on in this neighborhood, this is going on in this neighborhood. Um, and I kind of liked the idea that um, William Carlos Williams, um, the poet did with Patterson um, mm -hmm. about Patterson, New Jersey, uh, you know, his hometown and the, the, the city is kind of like the character. Um, in fact, Peter Aykroyd, whom I mentioned a minute ago, um, wrote a great book called London, the Autobiography. So it's like as if London itself wrote, you know, its life story. Uh, so I did that and it was, um, strange and unwieldy and um, I decided to um, break it up into its constituent parts. So that's why some of the oldest stories on Jack Psycho Geo are very different from the newer stories. There's actually a few stories in there like, um, you know, uh, the story is just like it's been raining and there's a cat sleeping under this car on the side of the road. And that's, you know, pretty much the story for a particular neighborhood from nine years ago. Um, but so you also uh, just describe Jacksonville, like that's literally what we, where we live. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, so, so, um, so that was the original, that was the thing that started it. And since then, you know, it's, it's, um, it's taken off, uh, taken on a life of its own, and I've got uh, somewhere around 550 stories, um, and um, so I'm constantly trying to explore different places. All of the stories are based in place, so you can search the site if you wanted to by um, up top, you know, um, center, uh, you know, east, north, southwest, um, and uh, but the stories are all based in particular locations around around the city. So that's yeah, that's usually anchored in a landmark. It's, yeah. Yeah, whatever that landmark may be, it may it may not be a landmark um, to anybody before they they see the story. You know, it might be um, it might be a church or a bar. It might be an old house or a creek. I mean, uh, you know, so. Um, as many different places as I can can I, I, I like to be able to write about um, the stories of places that you might not actually have thought of as distinctive as distinct places before you know 
Yeah, my favorite part about it is the layers that you reach underneath and how you think about what was there beforehand that might be influencing yeah. the energy of a place now. It, it brings that like hauntedness that the South yeah. seems to have. Yeah, you put that so well. That's exactly it. Um, you know, I feel like the stories are the stories are just out there in the landscape. They're they're there. Um, people are sometimes say, you know, how do you find these stories? Basically, any place that's been there for a while, if you dig into it, you find strange things. You know, inevitably, people are people are dramatic, <laughs> <laughs> and they do weird things. And you know, the stories are out there. They're out there in the landscape. So. I also think of it as kind of an, uh, a kind of archaeology, you know, it's like I'm, I'm excavating um, what's out there, but we can't necessarily see right on the surface. That is, um, it's interesting you say that because I know that archaeology is not in the name of the website, but I, it always makes me think of that word. That's oh, good. almost yeah. like if I, I like have to stop and think about it, that it's not yeah. like Jack's archaeology because it, there's something in the cadence that and the, the topic. I also have this like, um, imagine, I don't know if this is real or not. You'll have to tell me if this ever really okay. happens, but I imagine that there's people that are going to move to Jacksonville that type in different things and uh -huh. land on your blog. And they're like, what the hell? I mean, is this where I want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've had some really interesting responses over the years. Um, most, yeah, not all of them good. Okay. <laughs> you know. Tell, tell, tell. Um, gosh, well, um, there's, there's, there's a number of different interesting responses. Sometimes people feel people who have, most people that I speak to for a story, um, are, um, really willing to share, you know, and that's actually always been really interesting to me is that, um, the vast majority of people are, you know, they, they want to answer questions. They want to tell you what they know. Um, but um, every now and then I run into um, some, um, you know, some older characters who feel proprietary about things, um, you know, but I've also had, um, you know, I've had people, I've had a number, so I've written about um, Otis Tool, the mm -hmm. um, phony serial killer. He did not really kill hundreds of people uh, with Henry Lee Lucas, but a lot of people still believe that he, he did. Uh, but I've had you know, lots of people um, contact me and tell me about their, you know, supposed run-ins. Um, uh, a lot of them, I don't think, actually were Otis Tool, but they they believe that they ran into Otis Tool at some point back in the day. You know, I've had those kinds of interesting um, discussions, uh, and um, so so that's one of the things I like best about it is that there's 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 discourse, there's conversation. You know, and I add to stories if. If I have a story that, you know, I did four years ago and somebody emails, somebody just discovers it and emails me and has some kind of connection to it, um, you know, I'll talk to them and I'll add to the story. That happens quite a bit. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's happened to me on occasion. I've seen, seen like where you've updated a post or you um, right comments. If you read the comments on the Facebook post, you can see that you've amended. Yes. Yeah. So there's a strange um, old building far out on uh, on on um, Beaver Street, um, which is almost almost to Baldwin. The building is called uh, so it's out in the woods. The building's called um, the Old Spanish Trail Building. And uh, so I did a story about it years ago, and I had people tell me, "Oh, that used to be a brothel," uh, and I but I couldn't find any evidence of that and. Um, you also get used to certain kinds of, of urban legends. People love to believe that an old building was a brothel. And, you know, <laughs> and a lot of, most of the time it was not. Um, but uh, recently someone contacted me and he's like, yeah, my dad used to go in there. And um, so his, his father was a moonshiner and uh, would, 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 um, would visit the old Spanish trail when it was a brothel and leave his son in the car with a, a coke. I know, <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I had some kind of personal memory from somebody that could confirm something. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't always, of course, rely on people's stories, but I like to, uh, even if I can't rely on a story, I like to try and include it somehow if, uh, if, even if I need to say, you know, that 
there's something maybe not definitive about that. Yeah, you because capture the poetry of, and the unreliability of people's narrations. And um, yeah. yeah, you capture all of that really well. Thanks, uh, what do you yeah. think? Um, where do you think it's going? Is it just going to be this oh, perpetual man. work? Or, I mean, because there's just so much in it. It's to describe it like a website's almost insulting because <laughs> so much more than that. You're, you're getting a history that just doesn't mm. exist anywhere else about of, of a place, you know, that, right. that time period. Yeah, um, you know, a number of people have said I should print anthologies of it, like, you know, um, and I, I, to the best I could figure out, it would be if I, if I printed the stories in book form, it would be something like 800, uh, it's like 850,000 words, you know, so I don't even, you know, I mean, it would be, it would be enormous, yeah, right, um, I don't know where it's going. I wonder that myself. Um, when I hit 500, I had this feeling like, you know, that's a nice number to stop at. And then, you know, I did the 501st and the 502nd. And, <laughs> and on you go. And there have been times when I'm, I'm tired of it. And then something catches my interest and I become obsessed with this whole other, other thing that I have to write about. So, um, but I, you know, I do, I, I hope that people can um, see the whole thing as a literary project. I mean, that's what it really it's, um, it's me trying to write my hometown, you know, um, and uh, 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 I mean, so there's this, you know, um, Borges writes about um, maps that are the size of the world, which, you know, <laughs> makes them totally impractical because, uh, you know, you would need a map for that map. Um, but, uh, you know, at times I like to think of, of um, this as being a writing project that approximates the size of the city, which of course it's not, but that's, that's kind of the postmodern idea that it I, would I come the closest as to anything else, you know, like, also because, because of the way Jacksonville meanders and has been consolidated and, and yeah. podged together, you know, it, that almost is metaphorical for the um maybe that's the word today for the, for the site itself because you know you're piecing together these things and then it's creating this body of work and that's exactly what they did with this place and they yeah. um we try to have this cohesive identity but we've never achieved it the city just doesn't know who it is at all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you know they're demolishing downtown as you know it's still doesn't know what it is we <laughs> yeah yeah. Knock it over and start over. Okay, how many times? Um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's 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 a million frustrations with that. Jacksonville is, as you said, it's never really known who it is as a city. It's never been able to. You know, you look at the way cities even market themselves sometimes. Um, Jacksonville, actually, there's quite a bit that's distinctive about Jacksonville for a Florida city. It has this uh, great. Um, array of historic architecture downtown but um you know the the that most florida cities don't have you know it's it's um it's it could if it were marketed this way they mm -hmm. could stand out wonderfully from orlando you know um yeah. in, in that way um but the city i mean historically it's said things like you know when it was trying to uh, lure insurance companies um, to town in the '60s, it called itself the Hartford of the South, like, <laughs> you know. And it uh, it might be a little, but you know, it still doesn't know how to tell its story, how to brand itself. Um, it's uh, eternally frustrating, you know. I forget, but, even though we have this giant, beautiful river running through the heart of it, like right. yeah, who gets that? And yeah. sometimes our, our, I'll look at our tourist stuff and they don't even yeah. show the river or the water. It's like, we're a coastal city with a giant, one of two rivers in the world, you know, <laughs> north. It's, it's pretty geez. astounding. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can get my question. I had a, a spin-off question about the blog. I thought, oh, I was thinking about how much um, mad respect I have actually because you have the writer's curiosity that a lot of you know writers have to have a certain curiosity to oh, uncover yeah. and excavate and look but you yeah. also have whatever it takes to go into our woods scare <laughs> neighborhoods look underneath <laughs> rocks like so 
like the sheer physicality of where you're going. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, there's moccasins in those woods. What's he doing sure. walking through those woods? And yeah, I know you've yeah. got your blue Converse on. You're like, you're not wearing snake boots. <laughs> What's that like when you go out in the field and you're like digging around? Have I mean, you ever like thought you were getting shot or? Oh, sure. Boots? Yes, yeah. we are. We are in the South, you know, <laughs> we are in Florida. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Every time I think, you know, like, uh, wow, it, I, I want to be, uh, a, a, you know, I'm in a certain mood and I think I want to be a contemporary Thoreau. Go, I have to remember, if you go out and live in the woods here, you know, you're going to be surrounded by gunfire. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not Walden Pond. Um, yeah, um, there, sure, there have been, there have been times, um, uh, you know, um, times I've heard gunfire out in the woods times I've heard gunfire right next to Atlantic Boulevard you know um, um uh I've yeah, had you it go I've, everywhere you, <laughs> you, yeah. you go in the old hotels that that yeah one day were they were new at one point but they're right. not new now <laughs> right um I think one of the the my favorite images is that I was in um this small uh, graveyard in the woods on the north side, Pumpkin Hill area. <laughs> and um, as I'm, I had been, you know, looking at the graves and walking around the graves. And as I left that area, I looked back and there were several um, <laughs> wild boar <gasps> that just were walking, just grazing and walking amongst the graves. And I was, and they were big, you know, and uh, those things are, you know, they're wild and they're mean. And but just the image of those beasts just kind of wandering amongst the graves was like, wow. Yeah, it's, you know? goosebumps. it's yeah. very Neil Gaiman. I, I, <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, um, you know, that's 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 an image that I think of uh, every now and then. And I just, I mean, it was it was it was frightening, you know. Um, but I love the image of it you know um why were you in the woods in a cemetery at night in the i didn't cemetery? say it was at night did i say it was at night i thought well i mean my my imagination you just assume yeah <laughs> <laughs> um no it was in the daytime but okay. um but still um this is uh and i heard gunshots out there and there's you know this is a kind of place where you're walking around there's shotgun shells all over the ground and, and people throw out just a bunch of junk right next to in the woods right next to the the, the graveyard you, so you know? got like old mattresses and cooking yeah. utensils and crap yeah, like that very sad quite yeah. frankly you know yeah. and um yeah i think a lot of times people don't realize how many uh graveyards there are you know that um back in the day you know a lot of them were basically family graveyards or families you know maybe graveyards for a, a couple of families um, and, uh, or, you know, for, um, for black residents, um, they're just like everything else, cemeteries were segregated, you know, and, and Jim Crow, uh, days. And so black businessmen and leaders, uh, uh, created these spaces where, you know, black people could be buried with some kind of dignity and it would be taken care of. And a lot of those, graveyards and uh, there's a number of them along Moncrief are not taken care of anymore and mm -hmm. um and it's just it's it's heartbreaking uh and frightening quite frankly you know um to go through some of those and just see the the shape of things you know um the ground is broken in over some of the graves and you know it's just um uh it's not how anybody wants uh their family members to be you know, right. Are you lucky if the ground is even ever cut? I mean, I was right. just, it's weird timing. I was just down Moncrief and into Dinsmore mm -hmm. last week mm -hmm. and um, it feels really old and um, layered, you know, sort of yeah. always, always feel like there's like just layers and layers there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I saw one of those graveyards that was like that. And it was, this mm -hmm. one was somewhat kept. It was um, mm -hmm. at least had a fence around it, um, but I was just, yeah. it's an old place it's an it's an old and new at the same time because you know america's still younger than true everywhere else right. in the world <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah there's this uh, um 
thing that uh, the anthropologist um, Claude Lévy-Strauss says in uh, uh, Tris Tropique, um, where he talks about how things age faster in the new world. Um, I've thought about that a lot of times. Um, and, you know, we don't build for things to last for the most part now, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, you can go to an old European city and things are much better preserved in certain places um, than things that are 50 years old here, you know. <laughs> so, oh, right. I think yeah. about that in Arlington because Arlington was built all at one time. So it's mm. aging all at one time. Mm. And okay. now we've had this like exodus away from office buildings and things. People aren't going to go back to work. You're going to yeah. have so many vacant buildings that mm. just need to be you know returned to the land i guess somehow but that isn't how commercial development works they don't just and, and you can look at the shapes of cities that way you know that as people were moving out of downtowns as white flight was happening mm -hmm. um, you know they moved into the new suburb suburbs which are now inner rings of suburbia and as people kept moving out the inner rings of suburbia grew um, grew old really quickly. And um, at a certain point when people started moving back into um, the older, the oldest neighborhoods again, um, then all of those earlier rings of suburbs um, become kind of like the new version of the inner city, you know, and it's almost yeah. like tree rings, you know, that, um, so um, yeah, you can, you can, you can see a lot by the shape of the geography you can see um you know mass movements and psychology of of a large uh, of large groups of people over big periods of time mm -hmm. yeah way. i know in jacksonville we had our our core actually has some architectural integrity to it so there's something to go back to and those middle cores like that's shoddy construction it's not going to be no. around you know people aren't yeah. going to be like <laughs> renovating <Right. laughs> They're a little yeah, maybe yeah. some of the concrete block places maybe <laughs> right. some of those yeah some of that that most brutalist architecture that yeah the flat roves and the yeah they have yeah. plaza floors that's they got that going ah right yeah. <laughs> right right so let's segue we're kind of at the halfway point um yeah. i want to talk about how you do what you do because what i am convinced of is you probably don't sleep much because before COVID, I mean, okay, so you have a day job, you're a professor, right. you write so much. Now I'm a little more, um, I've been researching into people who have um, learned how to be really prolific and fast oh, and speed yeah. write. And so, and I don't know if that's what you do, but um, it's a little less, um, I don't know what the word is. I'm not as freaked out about it anymore. Like I used mm -hmm. to be just like, oh my God, I can get a short story written and he's just released another book. Like <laughs> how? Because they're good. I want to know about your process. Um, all of it. I just want to know how, how you schedule your life to make it happen. <laughs> well, uh, so in the first place, I'd be really interested in, in knowing what you have discovered, you know, through your research. Maybe we can talk about that, you know, mm -hmm. some, some, sometime. Um, you know, uh, I sleep more than I used to. There was a period of time. Um, there was a period of time where, and I know that everybody, or at least a lot of people recommend um, getting up really early and starting writing. And I think that's probably really good advice. And it also maybe tests your dedication because you have to be committed to doing this, you know? Um, for some reason, there's a lot of people who want to be writers. I, I guess it has some kind of messed up mystique or something, but not a lot of people who want to do the, the, the hard work, you know? Right. Um, so even though that's the case, that I think is probably pretty good advice to get up early. Um, for several years, what I did was um, got up, got the kids to school, went and taught, and um, usually slept for about an hour sometime in the afternoon when I could. And then, um, you know, maybe eight or nine, sometimes later than that, I would start writing. And, oh my um, goodness, at night. Yeah. And so um, sometimes I would write until, you know, two in the morning. And um, that got to be um <laughs> exhausting after a while i mean i mm -hmm. i did it for a while for a long time after it was exhausting to tell you the truth mm -hmm. um so um 
uh, uh, there was a good period of time where I really did not get much sleep. <laughs> I get more sleep now. That's and um, it is good because I like sleep, actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you feel healthier when you sleep. It's astounding. You know, yeah, it's like, a little thing that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so um, right now, what I am, so I try to do a Jack Psycho Geo story a week. Um, and that involves doing different things on different days, you know. Um, I try to write a little bit each day and research a little bit, bit each day and I go back and forth with it. And then, so by the time, you know, the, uh, the, the end of the week is here, um, I've got kind of hodgepodges of stuff that I can um, order uh, and move the pieces around into uh, what kind of order I want. And then, um, you know, play with the wording and, um, uh, you know, bring it to the point that I think is ready for it to, 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 to come out. And I'm, and I'm also, I don't, I don't want to say exactly what it is just yet, but, um, but I'm working on, um, a longer piece, um, uh, that is, uh, uh, looking at the history of a particular place <laughs> that I want to, uh, that, that will be, um, I haven't decided exactly what the form will be yet. Um, I think it'll be in book form, but it won't be, it won't be a big book. Um, I don't know. I've got too much. I, I, I have a sense of it, but I can't give that sense in words at this point, you know? Um, but I'm also, I mean, this is also the end of the term. So I've got mountains of grading at the moment. So I'm behind on lots of things at the moment. And that's, I think that's an inevitable part of it. I mean, I pretty much always feel like I am behind on everything in my life. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, because you're on the semester schedule, too. I mean, I think yeah. I felt that from as an observer. I've heard you mention here and there enough times of like the rhythm of the year when you do yeah. have. Um, yeah. And you seem to do a lot of your um, like vagabond exploring and stuff during the summer. Is that accurate? Um. That's certainly when I'm freest to do it. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I, I haven't really thought about like if I, um, if there were a, a, a chart, you know, would it be highest in the summer months of when I'm um, wandering around? I mean, really it, it, it um, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier, I think the curiosity that writers have to have um, and it's, um, you know, it's an obsession, really. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm doing is, is obsessive. Uh, and so um, whatever is going on, if I, if I need to go check a place out, then I need to go check it out. <laughs> yeah, and you're like not really going to be settled until you do. I mean. Right. That, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going to constantly be um, eating at my, my brain until I, until I, you know, listen to it and do what it tells me to do. I'm very <laughs> so. curious about that in writers. Um, it's, it's something that's coming out in the podcast because I've yeah. always called myself a compulsive creative. I oh, uh -huh. will be like, I can't believe you do all these things. I'm like, they're not really conscious choices. I can't mm -hmm. not do them. They uh -huh. haven't all paid off. You know, like I'm not like, sure, right. they're not, they're not, I'm not where I want to be. But I can't not do it. And I've heard that same, like there's a compulsive, obsessive, but I, that sounds so negative. I don't think it's negative. I think it's uh -huh. an essential part of the passion that makes us makers. Like there's there's something in there that's a, that, that's emerging that yeah. I'm fascinated by. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting actually because you're right. Um, I think creativity is often, while as a culture, uh, you know, we, we praise it. It's interesting. We're kind of split personality about it because we praise creativity and, you know, talk about, you know, what, how, how much we need it in, in, in the world and corporations and, you know, this and that. But at the same time, if you look at how um, artists of any kind are portrayed a lot of times, I think um, our, our culture is fascinated by, um seeing creativity as um almost something that is is 
almost something that's trying to exercise something an exercise in the sense of like an exorcism you right. know so right. so our culture is fascinated by connections between creativity and mental illness for mm -hmm. for example and and addiction things like that. yeah uh, to the to the extent that uh you know if you look at, at least in my experience looking at um kids in art schools when you know when they're in their early teens they've heard those messages and seen those examples so much that um you know i i've seen kids uh, almost uh, uh trying to um uh, uh wear those kinds of um mental issues like their mm -hmm. uniform or something which i which is really troublesome you know it is the pathos and the and the depression and the mm -hmm. the identity it's almost an expectation you're supposed to carry yeah, yeah, um, yeah. i think our art schools having we're both parents that have been through that yeah. um it's damaging and i don't know how unavoidable it is but um i i used to call that the first pandemic i didn't i didn't used to mm. know what a pandemic and you know we, no one saw this coming but i right. used to say that depression was pandemic in those schools because um yeah. It was almost a badge of identity like they are supposed to, you're supposed right. to be miserable right not and, making art unless you're suffering <laughs> right and and yet i also think there's there's something to that you know there is and i'm not the i think i am mentally healthier right now than i have been in a long time mm -hmm. but throughout my life i'm, I'm not necessarily you know I, the picture you know of mental health i mean i'm not you know uh, schizophrenic or anything you know i can function uh but but i guess i'm kind of talking all around this um there is this way of talking about art and creating as though um it is as you said um almost a negative need like um it's something you do if you've got something broken about you and yeah. i think there again can be truth to that but um if you also look at um the compulsion of curiosity um then i think you can you know you can look at um the phenomenon of creating overall in a more positive sense because um you know when you when if, if if you are really depressed you don't necessarily feel that curiosity because part of mm -hmm. depression as opposed to just sadness is um anhedonia the uh, inability to feel joy or pleasure it's uh, and so curiosity is um i think what brings us out uh of um the darker times and gives us hope because when you're curious about something you have to know about it it pulls you forward it is a compulsion but it's a positive compulsion i think um and um you know uh, uh, uh if we're curious people then we we imagine things into being you know um things before they uh before people invented certain things they had to imagine those things you know they had to and they had to have the requisite curiosity in order to do that um so um i mean i don't understand non-curious people you know i don't either i, I don't either i i think of it in terms of like um anxiety and sobriety a lot because uh -huh. my anxiety my personal anxiety goes up if i'm not creating um it's because it's definitely a valve release for me um yeah. i can't not be curious it's gotten to me in trouble so many times in my life but it's like i can't not be curious right. um, and the whole um the mystique around writers that you kind of have to be drunk all the time in order to do it like who produces like that i how many ways you know write drunk edit sober um no thanks i'll be sober both i like bourbon but um <laughs> not when i'm working because i'm working so it's that like division it be, you know some of some of the um some of the characters who have uh you know whose lives have given us that that or given our culture that idea of drunkenness and writers um f, f scott fitzgerald uh, when he was in his drunken years he was not producing you know yeah. uh and um 
so um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, you have to stay fully alive in your senses. You have to stay um, sensitive to things and curious about things, and you have to let those things um, pull you forward. And um, and that that's a positive compulsion, not a, a negative need to create. I think so. You had said something, and I'm going to think out loud about it for a second, and I'll I might edit this if it's not. If it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't go anywhere helpful, but um, you said stay sensitive and the image that popped in my head was back to the kids in art schools, you know, fully they're for sometimes for the first time learning how to navigate being so sensitive and mm. having everything so alive and so raw and so new. And then at the same time, trying to make something with that and, and balance it and um, maybe the labels that we put on it aren't accurate and they maybe do more harm because maybe they're not, maybe they don't start out depressed. Maybe they just start out really sensitive and unsure how to express that, yeah. you know? I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Um, you know, this is why I love discussions like this because <laughs> uh, because we're, we're both thinking out loud and yeah. I'm sure that um, after this discussion is over, some of the things that we've been when thinking about right now are going to keep on in my head now and some more things will click but I think you're absolutely right about that you have I mean um how can you create how can you make any kind of art without um sensitivity you have to be you you you, you have to have that um and yet you know that kind of sensitivity also um can be um easily um uh, uh marred you know, so yeah. I you know what I found helpful. Um, so we share a birthday, so we're both cancers. Yeah, yeah, and, that's um, great. <laughs> <laughs> I love the cancer crab um, visual because uh -huh. it allows me to have my tough exterior and my soft underbelly, and like that yeah. I can live with because there's yeah, a balance good. there. You know, we've yeah. got our expressive, artistic cancerness, but we mm. also have shells. Yeah, keep yeah. it out bad guys well, well it's interesting and I, I feel like I'm, I'm i'm on the verge of going going off on different um tangents here if i haven't already so um, tangent away but, the best but it, you know it's, it's just interesting because you know uh um i sometimes forget you know that i um am six foot four and have a deep voice and facial hair you know mm -hmm. and that that can be you know, uh, uh, I feel, I think, quite different than, than I look, you know, mm. so, but I like that crab. <laughs> I like the way you <laughs> described that. Yeah, the, the cancer crab. Well, I also have my like inner child in there because I'm like, um, so in my trauma therapy, I, you know, I write a lot about religious trauma and in trauma yeah. therapy, I did a lot of connection with my inner child who turns out to be me at nine is the, is the most vivid mm. and um, six to nine. Mm. And she's, that's who I think I am. And mm -hmm. I forget, no, we're 46. I've had lots of kids. They're grownups now. Um, I have jobs and responsibilities and, you know, yeah. and things. And, um, but the more I get in touch with her, the more my, my perception of things um, uh -huh. okay. enlivens. I mean, uh -huh. I don't know. She had such a new, everything was fascinating. Everything was worth exploring. If there's a hallway, she's going down it. If there's a corner, she's going to see what's around it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I was am nosy. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah. They're always in there. You know, my father, you know, uh, who passed away last year was 95 years old. And he, he used to say that, uh, you know, that it surprised him to look in the mirror, you know, then see this old man there. And, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah um, that the 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 inner child never grows up <laughs> i i you know i i want to live i always say i'm on the 120 year plan <laughs> I, I really want to be here for the the extent that a human form can sustain i really want yeah. every second of it yeah the laughter the pain the joy i want all of it and yeah. um we're not, we're not middle-aged yet no no <laughs> i no middle age is 60 yeah. I, I've, and <laughs> God, that's you just hit on one of my rebellions because uh -huh. when we turn 40 people are like oh you're middle-aged and I'm like on what planet do I plan on dying at 80 that's yeah. not happening yeah but I but I don't like thinking about the mirror 
you know, and, and the cognizance of the years that pass and the people that you lose along the way and, um, right. And children being adults and I miss them, you know, I'm not doing the emptiness thing very gracefully. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, no Uh, one talks about it. Like, like, you know, it's not like when we have little kids and we can share pictures and talk Mm -hmm. about their accomplishments. We have to like respect their own privacy and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of angry. It's like, uh-huh. yeah what do they call it when it's a it's a racket parenting's a racket because you <laughs> devote your life to them and then they they leave they do yeah um yeah no i i'm i'm actually kind of glad to hear that in a sense although that's not very nice but uh, <laughs> no i get it though <laughs> that means i've got some company because uh, uh it's hard for me too you know um yeah, yeah. i mean um I'm still close to um, my girls and they're, they're, they're my buddies, you know, but um, yeah, I sure do miss when they were little. (laughs) Like you could do something like now when they have problems, Mm. they have to figure them out and they are, I mean, I I raise really independent, strong thinkers. They're really great. They're doing fine. All the things, you know, all the things that a parent would be happy for, but I can't do any like there I need to go have my own life which is appropriate but I'm like ah remember when you can like just spy them across the room take an instant emotional temperature and and know like you can scratch their back or you can give them a hug or you can make them a cookie or you you know that's taken it's gone yeah, yeah that's and, right and it's passed and the grieving that goes with that is uh rarely acknowledged yeah yeah I agree yeah it's true yeah I don't know how we got on that note. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so glad that you're doing this uh, and it's an honor to be on it, you know, Um, but I'm I'm thrilled that you're, you're doing this. It's exciting. It's been, um, it's been a good lesson for me. It really has because I had the idea a couple years ago and chickened out and got busy and wasn't really sure of the shape I wanted it to take anyway. Um, But I've always wanted something in my like writing catalog that was about writing itself. Um, You might hear Georgia trying to scratch in, but um, and so this is going to be it. This is, this is my thing that's about writing. Um, I wanted it to support other writers. Um, and I wanted to see, cause I've done behind the scenes stuff with podcasting and video production before, but I hadn't been on this side of it. I just wanted to like overcome some of my own demons. Cause like one of the reasons why I've never read a Jacks by Jacks is just cause I'm shy and I like stutter and I have a lisp. So I'm like, okay, well, how can you work through that? You can do the thing, talk yeah. to people. Yeah. So, but even asking 20 of my friends to be on this was scary. And I had 20 S's, actually more than that, because two of them are teams of people. So Uh that's like, okay, the universe is saying, you can do this. It's going to be all right. But that's that's it. Um, That's, and that's, um, you know, when you really want to do something, whether it's produce a podcast, I mean, I say that like I've done it, which I, you know, I have not, um, or um, write. You know, um, when you really want to do something, you just make yourself do it, you know, and, uh, and you have to uh, be, uh, I think, comfortable with the discomfort of not knowing how it's going to go, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Uh, there's, there's something about, something happens to us when we're, by the time we're adults, where we want to know what's at the end of, um, of our journey before we even start. And, um, you know, uh, I think we have to try to feel what we felt when we were, when we were younger and not know where it's going to go and be perfectly okay with that, with that uncertainty. I mean, uncertainty scares us, you know, um, it does. I'm laughing because I read the last page of every book I read. Every time I pick it up, the first thing I do uh, is read the last page. I want to see who's still around on the last page before I start it. Really? Yes. Oh, no <laughs> wow. A horrible does habit. That, does that ever ruin anything? Uh, no, because it doesn't tell me how they're still there. Uh-huh. But if they're huh. mentioned on the last page, I, and I trust, like, all right, I'm gonna. This is gonna be okay. Okay. This is ridiculous. Huh. <laughs> it is. Because I don't like spoilers in anything. Movies. I don't uh, watch trailers. I, I don't want spoilers. And right. I don't consider that a spoiler, but it's, that is how chicken I've gotten with uncertainty. Interesting. Yeah. You have to let things go. So the other thing I've learned, this is relevant. Uh-huh. I'm in a 12 step group for um, overeating and codependency and stuff. 
Hmm. I'm a control freak. I had no idea that I was control freak. It Hmm. happens with mothers, especially because we're loving, nurturing control freaks. We're interested in reducing the amount of pain our children are going to go through. So we manipulate circumstances to make sure they go the way we think they should. And in the the years that pass, we become, you know, controlling. It's been very enlightening. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes yeah, perfect sense. Yeah, I need sense. to know it all. Like, and letting go. Letting go in the creative process is essential. So, so you train yourself as, as a parent. <laughs> you train yourself for however many years um, to be a control freak. And then, you know. Um, yep. You got to let go. Even after that, when you're trying to create, you have to um, somehow free yourself from all of that training which was um based in surviving as a parent you know it was yeah yeah Yeah, it's a bitch so let's spend um we have a couple minutes like still um i want to talk a little bit about jacks by jacks why you started it um why it morphed away what like all of it like okay local promotion what you've done how important local promotion's been in your work that kind of stuff um well so uh to begin with, I mean, it started because uh, I wanted something like that to exist here, <laughs> you know, and uh, so, uh, um, you know, I knew a number of local writers and really uh, enjoyed their work and liked speaking to them. And um, and at the same time, you know, we we talked a little bit about Jacksonville earlier, I felt like um, Jacksonville did not have a place that brought all of that together. And um, so the idea of Jacks by Jacks was to, um, you know, focus on writers who were based here, um, also writers who wrote about this place. Um, They didn't have to be both, but, you know, uh, and also to use the city itself as the setting. So when we first started it, um, we started it in at the um, you know uh, the intersection of Park and King Streets and Riverside, and we used um, uh, restaurants and um, bars and a comic book store and uh, magazine offices and a tattoo gallery and and um, you know all of these. Uh, businesses, people who were were gracious enough to um, let us use their place and uh, to to use the city as the setting. Um, And so it was always uh, uh, where, you know, you wouldn't be more than a block away from the next venue. So you could walk, you know, you could walk from one venue to the other and you would hear maybe 25 uh, writers who lived here uh, and uh, for, for short periods of time, so you could walk and hear somebody for 20 minutes and then, um, you know, go a couple of storefronts down and hear somebody else for 20 minutes and kind of, I always said, you know, um, that you could, you could arrange it like those choose your own adventure children's books, which I loved when I was a kid, you know, if you want the next thing to happen, go to page 63, or, you know, if you want this to happen, go to page 120, you know, that you could, you could map it out any way that you wanted to. <clears throat> so that was the impetus, you know, behind um, Jacks by Jacks. Um, and uh, and I've also always really admired people like um, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, um, the beat poet who is um, known as much for his own work as for how he, um, how he, backed other people's work, you know, so he started City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, and he started City Lights Publishing, and, you know, was the first person to publish a lot of people who are um, ironic that beat poets are now canonical, but canonical beat poets, you know, Um, so uh, it, I mean, you know, it felt good to try to, to do something like that. At the same time, um, I'm not a natural, I'm not a natural organizer. And, um, you know, so I did it for four years. And by the end of that period, um, I didn't really know what else I could do with it than what was happening. And, I, and uh, uh, it was, <laughs> it was very stressful by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, 
I met a couple of writers who were, um, uh, who had recently moved to Jacksonville, um, Darlin and Brad Kuhn. And um, Brad is from, uh, I believe he's from LA originally, I could be wrong about that, but Darlin grew up here, um, moved away, uh, and they had both moved here recently from Orlando, and they both really wanted to know how, you know, really wanted to be a part of the writing community in Jacksonville, and they're also, um, you know, they are business people, uh, and um, so I talked to them about whether or not they would want to take it over. Uh, and, you know, they said yes, uh, and have done really exciting things with it the last couple of years. And this last year, I would even say that they've saved Jacks by Jacks because, you know, this is, this was an event that was started by, uh, you know, it was all about bringing people together and we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're not supposed to be together. So, right. So, um, I held my breath for it this year. They seem to have pulled it off. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it was filmed and there were uh, uh, watch parties online. And, uh, and if you haven't seen it, you can still go watch it. You know, it's, it's, it's there. Um, and they did a really good, it looks professional um, in a way that I would never have known how to, to do. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I always tell them I owe them a, a chunk of my heart or a, a pinky finger or something, you know, mm -hmm. which they don't want for some reason. But, um, you know, I feel indebted to them for, mm -hmm. uh, for kind of saving Jacks by Jacks. So it's, this last one was number seven. So looking at Jacks by Jacks eight in 2021. That's awesome. I hope it continues. And because um, we do need like, there are a lot of writers in town. And yeah, um, we do have a literary footprint here. Yeah. And you know, um, writers, I think you mentioned this earlier, you know, writers, um, I mean, writing itself is a solitary thing. So, um, you know, I do know a couple of extroverted writers, but not too many. And uh, so it can be a lonely experience. You know, you it, it, you it can be an experience where you don't really know that there are all these other people in the same community who are, um, you know, who are doing something similar to what you're doing. And when you find that out and, and uh, you know, get to meet them and get to read them and share with them. Uh, it, it's, uh, it can be a really liberating thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And I look forward to whenever the next episode's going to be. Um, I actually have kind of a big um, announcement regarding my career coming and maybe I'll sneak in a little um, non-interview episode to share it with you guys. Um, till then, right on. <laughs>